Welcome back to the Body Talks Back. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm Sarah Romeo White, and on today's episode, I'm not talking to my dad, even though I say that in the last few episodes. Um, I'm actually talking to my husband, Ben Stumpf, um, and that's why it's been a couple of weeks, because I made a decision that I'm not ready to put my relationships with my parents out there. Um, it was super important for me to realize that I had this boundary, so yeah. Um, I'm going to make this intro super short. This is actually the last interview episode that I'm doing. I'm going to do one more episode next week um, where I do just kind of a, a general wrap up. I'm going to I'll go more into detail of, um, you know, why I decided not to do this stuff with my parents and just kind of what I've learned. Um, and yeah, so I'm really excited and thankful that my husband agreed to do this. Um, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. It's so long uh, because we are both talkers and we both uh, go on tangents um, all over the place. Uh, but I really love this conversation and I love us. So I hope you guys have fun listening to it. Um, I also am really proud of my husband for being willing to talk for the first time about his uh, mental health issues um, and yeah just you know what it's like being a guy with uh, body image issues and mental health issues and I thought it was really important to talk about that because there is so much stigma around men um, who have eating disorders and mental health issues not that my husband doesn't have an eating disorder um, just to clarify um, but yeah so I'm again super excited for this episode I'm sure I've said that about 30 times I'm gonna wrap this up real quick because this episode is so long but please listen to it because it's great and love you all see you next week for the last time oh my god thank you for agreeing to do this you know i don't do too many public appearances <laughs> and, so uh, true uh, so true i really appreciate you um taking time out of your <laughs> hectic schedule and is, like with all hectic. your fame and fans and stuff to really allow like your personal self to be shown to the public. It's just, it's a big deal. And I just really want you to know how much I appreciate. You know, that. I gotta tell you one thing that I think is great is that even if I did have fame and all that stuff, I think that I wouldn't have a problem walking down the street because people don't recognize me anytime <laughs> at all. This woman the yeah. other day I met for the first time at work, she, I'm talking to her for like 20 minutes and then she looks at me and she goes, are you the electric slide dad? <laughs> and I was like, number one dad? Yeah, that's me. And she's like, oh, okay. I couldn't really tell. I was like, oh, that's true. Probably no one in this office who doesn't know me. Yeah. They wouldn't assume that, like, I'm the guy in the videos that they've yeah. never seen. Right, yeah. Anyway, we don't need um, to talk about my work. No. Uh, so we'll cut that part out. Uh, or hey, I'll keep it it. <laughs> or thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. It's the last episode. Last episode. And that's okay, the so best can... thing Go about ahead. the whole thing. It's like, if anyone listens to, whoever listens to this in the future, they're going to listen to the last episode and go, wow, that is quite a way to <laughs> She wrap up. ended on... <sighs> Definitely the best guest. High, like, really delivered. All, if that was the first episode, <laughs> yeah. you may as well just not listen to any of them. But since it's the last yeah. and the best, you know, it really just builds to this climax. Mm -hmm. you gotta, I'm just glad you to be a part of it. High now. Yeah. And you're welcome, too. <laughs> I will thank you um, but we just for a second to go into it I'm sure that I will I know that I will talk about this in the intro but I really appreciate you coming in uh, 
to our house. Uh, yeah, I was sitting down be, on the couch. <laughs> I was going to be here anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, <so. laughs> wait, let me just get this out. Um, last minute, because the last two episodes were supposed to be my dad and, my, and then my mom. Yeah. And I did the episode with my dad months ago um, in November. It yeah. was a long time ago, yeah. I think it was in November. And um, then didn't listen to it until probably like a few weeks ago um, and realized that I am just not, you know, that I have a boundary, which is a shock to me because I'm very open. That's a and, shock to me. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not ready to uh, put these relationships out. And then I, I hadn't, I had interviewed my mom um, very early. I think like she was like the third interview, but it was like a crazy day and we were both exhausted. And so we never finished it and it, we didn't get into any like personal stuff. It was all just kind of about her career, which I, you know, again, would have been very beneficial to the podcast because she's a, uh, you robbed him of that health. experience. Yeah, I know. Um, but also not ready to uh, open up that conversation. There's just no need. I have a very good relationship with both of my parents. Yep. I didn't always have a very good relationship with both of my parents, and I don't want to rock the boat. And you know that uh, yeah. by even saying that though, it makes me go, "Ooh, what's on the boat that's going to be rocked?" Yeah, and no one's business but ours. I know, but and see, I wouldn't yeah. have known about it had you not told well, me. Well, I now will I'm say. Intrigued. Well, here's what I will say uh, for any of those any. any for the many of you out there who are just like, fuck, I, we were... Um, also, sorry, I, I have a water bottle in my hand. That oh, I yeah, just, don't like, go... Splashed. <laughs> yeah. um, for the many of you out there who uh, really are, just feel like they were gypped out of you know, my like, personal you can't traumas. can't say that term. Oh, no, oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. So let's go back. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's another action. word for that? Uh, screwed. Yes, they were screwed out of uh, my. Take it over. You gotta start it from the top. No, Otherwise, it's okay. you're gonna be Frankenstein <laughs> sentences. Okay. You don't. I'm just gonna leave it in. It. It's fine. You I'm, know what? You know Good. what? I think it's important that I was. I just was called out and learned like a new, not a new because I knew it, a word that I shouldn't say, and that is something that you can put into the public, right? Right, Ben. <laughs> I do. Um, I will say. Wait, let me finish my sentence. Yeah, but this, you know, we'll get back to that. Sentence. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, just bookmark it. Okay, oh. uh, take a note down if you have to. But one thing I will say is that I think it's important for people to make mistakes and then to go... And oh, learn. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Like, not erase the fact that you had... But like, when, after you up. make the mistake and you learn, you have to actually learn. And, like, yeah. really, don't make that mistake again. Yeah, don't go popping up on CNN and saying it, too. <sighs> oh, people who were, felt that they were screwed out of my uh, personal dramas. If my book ever gets published, it's all in there. Yeah, they'll see it. Yeah, I just not ready to uh, talk about it. That's fine. Or highlight it, or not even. Yeah, it's just I I learned where my lines were, and that was important. So that's good. I'm glad that I did the interview, and I and I really loved the interview with my dad. Um, I just I don't need people to hear certain things right now. So again, I very much appreciate that you stepped in. Last, but the, but the intrigue second. is at an ultimate high for yeah. me. I will say. I will listen to the recording. Well, the really... intrigue is not at an ultimate high for you because you know everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Then this is yeah. boring. Yeah, you know. Oh, then people aren't missing out on anything, but also. Shut up. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is it. 
Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is going to be interesting because you and I having a... Uh, conversation? A themed conversation will... Well, though, you know, I did it with Lorena, too. and I don't know what the, the theme, theme is yet. I mean, well, it's I know. a body talks back. You know what the theme is. Um, the body talks back. Yeah. Um, bodies and uh, mental health stuff and, you know, all that fun stuff, which you have a lot to say on those issues as well. And I actually, um, when I first decided that I wanted to do this podcast, yeah. you were one of the people who I was going to interview, as you know. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what happened to my interview? And I, well, because I thought that, that at that time, that was where my line was, where I was like, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm not ready to, like, Talk to show, your husband? No, well, have our relationship. Because I feel like I'm very open, but I am I keep our relationship pretty private. Yeah. I don't talk about I our think relationship. The only reason I keep our relationship private is because we just uh, don't hang out with very many people. and uh, We're just with each other all the time. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, who am I sharing it with when? Well, I share everything with everyone, and I don't really share stuff about us so i was I like share oh stuff sometimes i, I posted mean, I share a couple stuff pictures some- on instagram before. oh oh yeah i mean i do share stuff i just i don't know at that time i was like maybe i don't maybe i want to keep that sacred um but here we are here we are also because i think when i had initially asked you and wanted you to be on the podcast i'm gonna be burping a lot because yeah. we just had mexican body food. is talking back <laughs> it's true. That's wow. so true. What what, what a way yeah. to end wow. this series. <laughs> wow, guys. Wow. Yeah, it all hey, led you up were to promised this. That yeah. It wasn't a misleading title after all. <laughs> it's true. Um yeah, so when I had initially asked you and I'd even talked to um I think I talked to Sophia about this when uh uh when I met up with her to ask her to do the podcast and she was the first episode, Sophia yeah. Holly. Um, I was telling her about how I wanted to have you on um, because you struggle with a lot of the same issues that I struggle with, but I feel like, not I feel like I know that um, a lot of men don't talk about that a lot, and sure. even if they do talk about it, it's not it's it's much more stigmatized than it is for women, especially like stuff around food and sure. like body stuff. Um, and I know because when I was in uh, one of the hospitals that I was in was no oh, two of, yeah two of the hospitals that I was in the hospital that was like kind of limbo in between being in the ICU and then going into Renfrew um, there was a it was co-ed and there was a uh, I think he was like twelve like a twelve year old boy and it was an eating disorder unit mm-hmm. and. Um, that was the first time that it even occurred to me that guys have eating disorders. Oh, and yeah. And then when I was um, in Cumberland, which is, for the listeners, a hospital that I lived in for six months, there was a there was a guy on the guys' unit who was there for an eating disorder. So he was in some of the groups with, with me because yeah. I was, like, one of, you know, I was in the eating disorder groups. Yeah, um, yeah so guy... And he was anorexic. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was very eye opening for me. I mean, all of the experiences that I had in the hospital were very eye opening for me because it was, I got exposure to all different kinds of people. And it also really allowed me to know how not unique my, my stuff was. And also how I'm not as fucked up as I think I am, which was all very important because I met so many people who 
um, either had the same issues that I did or like their issues were a lot more severe or like had been through a lot more traumas and stuff and people from all different walks of life like there it just really kind of um yeah it's just it took the uniqueness out of it because for so long I was just like I'm the most fucked up I'm the one that has all the problems and no one no right, one understands me and I'm alone experiences your is, own life right exactly but so it was really important for me to have those experiences but it definitely one of the things that it really opened my eyes to was that uh guys struggle as much and it's almost worse because there is such a stigma around it yeah. where they're too scared to talk about it so I really um am excited for you to give that perspective oh yeah I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's a unique thing for a guy to have either issues around food, definitely not that. That's not unique at all. But eating disorders in general, I think they're very common with men. They're just, again, stigmatized and thought of as, like, feminine in a way. Mm. Like, it's always, like, growing up in the, you know, late 80s for me and 90s, like, that's my prime growing up time where, uh, very different world. Yeah. Like, dieting was for women meats for men like it was just a very kind of yeah Fucked toxic up. toxic yeah, masculine yeah. world well and also to that when i was in the hospitals was the early 2000s so starting yeah things yeah so it was like kind of also that period yeah of course well that's well, coming it's like coming out of coming it, out a little of it. bit we're not out of it at all but yeah no, no 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 but coming yeah coming to uh certain realizations that hadn't been uh, addressed previously right but i i think that any issues around food was considered a weakness for men yeah and for sure. uh so yeah we didn't grow up talking about that kind of stuff Ab- i yeah absolutely i also think that um you know i grew up in a very we dealt with all this shit all the time everyone talked about everything cuz my dad would talk about his issues with food so mm-hmm. i did also i did grow up knowing that he had issues with food um and uh i guess i just didn't realize how similar they were to the one to mine yeah um and until much later on um and i but yeah i mean i think where you grew up in the country too that there's just much less talking about these things oh there's you know that's not the only topic that's yeah. not talked about yeah i i feel like had i never moved to new york uh, a lot of things would have never been talked about in my life and I would be a very different person mm-hmm. because I feel like I'd be very repressed. Absolutely. Also, meeting me really helps. <laughs> well, yeah. I, mean, I like, was like, oh, you want to... <laughs> now yeah. you have to talk about everything. <laughs> well, not only talk about everything, but I think something that was hugely important and it was just like so ridiculous um, because you are who you are and your mom is who she is, but just like... And your sister even... Um, talking about a woman's body like it's it's nothing like, mm-hmm. and there's no shame about anything dealing with it in in your family and mm-hmm. that was like holy shit i didn't even realize that you know possibly growing up that there was uh repression or suppression around that periods 
about around menstruation, yeah, menstruation, any kind of vaginal issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've said this before, and, I, and this is like weird. This sounds kind of weird to say out of context, but like growing up, like I never even saw like a tampon wrapper. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, I lived with two women. Yeah. It's it was pretty weird looking back seeing that wait a second well just now your life is the opposite well yeah my life is the opposite but like <laughs> everything's about my period every, everyone should feel comfortable talking about that yeah like, absolutely. you're very fortunate that you grew up in that kind of situation because yeah. i think there's a lot of people uh, uh, still of our generation because again we grew up in a time of uh toxic masculinity which mm-hmm. you know we're seeing a lot of um the effects of that you know mm-hmm. Um, well, we're, I think that there's a lot of people that are ashamed of their the bodies of just for being the sex that they are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would never have understood any of that kind of stuff if I had, um, hadn't broadened my horizons by leaving my own comfort zone. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate to have met you the way that we met and knowing instantly that you were a person that I wanted, the person that I wanted to be with. Yeah. Isn't that so strange? It is strange. Well, I, it's strange, but it's also like... Yeah, that's... No, it is strange. It's strange, and I don't know how... Like, you can't give advice on how to find a person. I also, like... I don't know that I... that. I don't know that I believe that there is a person for everyone. I think some people are just, like, destined to be... Not alone, but, like, you know... Maybe trying with multiple people, trying different things out, with yeah. different people at different times, exactly. Or there, there's a million different combinations, yeah. Um, and but also just, just because you and I have a certain connection with one another that's mm-hmm. like undeniable, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everyone's gonna feel that. But doesn't mean that that person, those people, shouldn't be together. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. not like oh, you're not an exact match or something. You don't, you can't work. Like there's just infinite possibilities yeah so let's talk about this because this is we do have kind of like a unique uh story and it is related to um stuff that is still on topic um because we met each other on a birthday party on a bus yeah so we met each other on on a bus that was going from brooklyn to philly a mutual friend of ours. And yeah, and let's Lorena's. be clear what kind of bus this is. Yeah, it, it was, was a party not, bus. No. See? That's where you're misleading. Okay, it was a coach I don't bus. know that you've ever been on a party bus because there's a huge <laughs> I have not difference. Then, yeah. Okay. There's no seats on a party bus typically. Got it. Well, or it was a there's party like on a bus. Okay. That's a huge difference. Yes. And because when I tell people we met on a bus, they're like, Oh, in New York, on New York City, like public transit bus that's crazy no it wasn't that yeah it was much more um uh selective we were invited you were invited because you were yes okay a little too quick with some of the details i'm trying to set it up you were invited with lorena that's what i just said no okay okay so you were invited i was invited i almost didn't go to the party you almost didn't go to the party yeah, I almost didn't go. Okay, and by the way, this is a coach bus with seats. Everyone had seats. For some reason, someone thought it was a good idea to allow people to smoke cigarettes. And then... These being 20 and 21-year-old... Yeah. Um, art school kids. Art school kids, the bus was filled with cigarettes. As soon as, they, as soon as they announced that it was 
okay to smoke cigarettes. It was like the there was a shift that happened. It went from being like Stiff. a bus to yes. like a what like a rager <laughs> on a bus. Yeah, and like it's not like people were up and like crazy dancing and shit like that and rocking the bus. It was just like very rambunctious. In it there. was very and the ride yeah. home was something else to talk about. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you want to talk about how we actually met on the bus? Sure, if you want to, go ahead. Okay, so I had gone to this party with my friend Matt Cashella and my other friend Tony Perry. Tony was the one that was like really like, dude, you gotta go. I was like, okay, I'll go. And uh, I didn't really know anyone other than them. This is where I met Yoni as well. Oh, that's right. I met Yoni at the, uh, there were pickup locations. Sarah was picked up in South Brooklyn. Well, we don't need to go this detailed well, in, in, into it. Let's get all the details. Every single detail. No, let's not. Let's. It was a Saturday. It was three p.m. when I got on the bus. Okay, and at exactly. Let's not make it harder for me to edit this, please. Well, Um, well, no. Did you want to say you wanted? You said. Well, we met on a bus. I don't. I don't know how else. You said you want to. You said you want to say how how we met on the bus. Go ahead. I'd love to hear your perspective. I feel like I'm always telling the story. Well, your experience of it was very different from my experience of it. And I would love to hear Yeah. So I was walking. There was a bathroom on the back of the bus. And I was walking to the back of the bus. And I was going to go to the bathroom. And I knew Matt Cushella through Lorena because they were friends. Um, And I waved. I said hi to him and you were sitting with him. And then... I saw you, but I didn't, I, your experience was that I made a face at you. Because we had already been introduced at that point. Oh, we have? Yeah, Matt and I walked over to you in Lorena, uh, I met you there. Oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, we went over to you first, and then I, we sat back down, but since it was cigarette time and, uh, Coors Light everywhere, um, I was kneeling in the chair. It, yes. People were standing up. Your back was to the window. My back was to the window, right. Um, and you were getting up, and you were walking towards the back of the bus, and you were just kind of like singing along a little bit to whatever music was playing extremely loud. Mm-hmm. And you looked in my direction, and you did something like your eyes widened or whatever, and something just like, I was like, whoa, like I have to talk to this girl now. Like, something just happened. Mm-hmm. It was that, like, love at first sight thing you hear about that you think that can't exist. Right. Um, and I told this very sloppily at our wedding in a video that I'm embarrassed exists. <laughs> but I just felt like I knew right then, like, you were my person. Yeah. And I've always had very vivid dreams in my life. And I used to have these dreams where I would lock eyes with someone and I would feel this certain way. And it always felt like when you find the person that you're supposed to be with, when you look at them, this is how you'll feel. Mm-hmm. It was like my subconscious way of telling me, like, you'll know. And I would have those dreams, like, I don't know, every year or two years for years. And I never, ever experienced that in my entire life. I never thought that it was actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then when we're on this fucking bus with all these like cigarette smoking art students, 
the last thing I would have expected was to have that feeling. Right. So I was like, uh, I like I knew right then that I I had to at least make that effort, or I would have always regretted that. Yeah. And I I was just I don't know I just knew and I feel like we had that I... been a different day uh-huh. maybe I would have ignored that feeling. Right. And had still been wondering about that today. Can I say something that people I would say probably ninety nine percent of people don't know about you? Sure. That you're you're kind of psychic. See, I don't want to. I don't even want to say that. And I, I think. But if, you are. <laughs> but I think if people hear that. Well, no, I think. Listen, okay. I think that people will hear that and go, "Oh boy." No, no, no. They're not going to go, "Oh boy." That you don't like the word psychic, and that's fine. But you have a, a very strong intuition, uh, and I you, can be intuitive. You are very sure. intuitive. Sure. Um, you knew people's names. You knew friends of mine names before right. I ever introduced you to them or you've ever met them. You would like say things that I was like, what the fuck? How do you know this? Um, and you've predicted every birth in your family. Isn't well, that so I, weird? No, it's not weird. It's but not again, weird to me because I'm like, you aren't like You know what is weird about that? What? The fact that I was able to understand what those dreams meant. And for anyone listening yes. who doesn't know what I'm talking about, before... All of my nieces and nephews and my cousin's kids were born. Before each of them were announced to my family that they were pregnant, I had a dream that someone in my family died. And it got to a point where um, I could tell who was pregnant by who died in my dream. Mm-hmm. Like, or at least which side of the family yeah. it was on, depending on the person. So another thing that happened through meeting me and my and my family and also like my world and the people who I'm surrounded around was that you for the first time had access to understanding those things that were happening because we would right. you know we talked to Christina uh, yeah. my our our intuitive healer yeah. Um, You've done trainings with like meditation teachers. You've been very open, and you've been very. I gotta say, I gotta give credit to Christina. Mm -hmm. I love everything that she does. She's a great person. I've had nothing but great experiences with her. If you haven't listened to the Christina episode, go back and listen to it. Mm -hmm. She's just great, and she she's such a comfortable in person person as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because she's intuitive or what, but. I think she that's just, part of it. She just she, knows how yeah. to talk to everyone I've ever seen her talk to. Yes. And I, well, that's part of the intuition is that is knowing what to say to each person, you know, like how to be comfortable with each person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she changed both of our lives. And, um, and even just like my mom or just like being around people who are, you know, very... Well, spiritual and open yeah. and and yeah know, i mean informative your, your mom and your dad's friends are a type of community that i didn't even know <laughs> existed <laughs> and i don't you know <laughs> yeah. i don't know i grew up my parents are best friends yes and my mom doesn't have a ton of like just friends that are just hers right but my dad because he's a coach because he was in the army because he played college football and went to college like, he has 
individual friendships with other people. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I wasn't... There I weren't a lot of hippies around you. No, there certainly weren't a lot of hippies. But even seeing meeting your family and being like, oh, your mom has, like, too many friends. Oh, she has a lot of friends. Like, I, I didn't know that people that age... And I don't mean to be rude about age. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, my mom was my best friend. I was probably my mom's best friend. Mm-hmm. Like, we would spend all our time together when she, my dad wasn't around. So it's just interesting for me when I met your mom. I was like, oh, she has more friends than I've ever had in my whole life. Same. She has more friends than I've ever had in my whole life. Still to this day. Yeah. It's just like... Well, she just keeps getting more. She's like, oh, well, now I'm... D-. Yeah, that's the other thing. She just well, keeps and, getting more. She's very good at friend Absolutely. Getting. But also... I my my dad has a lot of my my both of my parents have always had a lot of friends. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a really great. They, thing. And I think that it's also helpful that um, they did get divorced and they each had individual lives. Right. Um, and oh oh, no, Rhoda. you can let her come up. She's, okay. She'll be fine. Uh oh. Uh oh. No. Uh oh. Nope. This okay. is what I was worried about. Okay, we're good. We're good. What were we talking about? Okay. Parents have friends. Your mom has a coven. That's what. <laughs> That's what it comes down well, to. Well, kind of. I met I'm... people that um, <laughs> were in that world. Yes. Uh, even, and I gotta say, I did not know that people really went to therapy. Growing oh. up, for me, the idea of a therapist was someone in a New York City skyscraper who, you know, sits in a chair with a pad of paper and just goes, mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, so... We can shift this topic from my parents to this because you kind of opened that up. So, sure. well, I mean, it's I'm very good at just opening oh, up yeah, other yeah. topics. Thank, thank you, you want, so much for at any time. Just yeah, give me the I'll, sign yes, and I'll um, I'll open up another topic. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm you so glad it. that you're here for this. I know. Um, you are starting therapy next week. I am. How are you feeling about that? I feel good. It's going to be the first time I'm going to an actual therapist. Yes. And I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited for me, too. I... Uh, go ahead. Um, and we say next week, but when this goes up, it'll be... Oh, the next day. The next day. Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Something that I am very grateful for with you being my partner is... And even though, like, it can be really hard sometimes... Yeah. Um, but is that you also experience depression... Um, and all of the things that come along with that and all of the levels of things that come along with that. Um, but you've never really had the opportunity to deal with it on a consistent basis, uh, like with a therapist, but at the same time, like you've always, like you will go to Christina and you would go to Harshita when we were going to Harsha. I'm a hundred percent open to getting help when I need it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it can be a bit more resistant. That's always out of, like, fear of doing something for the first time. I've always said this, that I would be the perfect person to have an imaginary friend. Because I feel like I need some kind of support there for the first time that I do something. Mm -hmm. I need to get past that. Um, And I have in certain areas of my life. Of course. But, um, yeah, when it comes to personal help, I feel like... I need to make it not so personal and involve you. <laughs> what? I feel like I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I rely on you to help me help myself. Right. And I want to I, I get I over that. that. Yeah, and, and I don't have a problem with that. It's just like, 
when there's lack of follow through that it gets <laughs> frustrating. But I yeah. understand like you everyone has to do it in their own time. And I again grew up in a very different situation where therapy and and getting help and like w- that was my life. That w- that was my life. Um so you know, I understand that that wasn't your experience and that it is very new. Yeah. The idea of therapy or the idea of of reaching out for help when you need it is very new because it wasn't something that you were forced into doing or ever really had access, like access in the sense of like you weren't, you didn't see it. You know, you weren't around a bunch of people who had like mental illness issues that were oh, getting, you don't, that were that getting, getting help. help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I was around plenty of people with mental health issues. Yeah, but I mean like, and I think that goes for most people in in, in my life and in life in general is like, I've always had to be very open about therapy and medicine and getting help and doing whatever self-care stuff because that was, you know, that's how I'm alive now. Uh, and it was a very severe thing. So I was forced into having to have that be my life. And, and it, I, I couldn't allow there to be as much, I couldn't, I don't have any shame around it. There are certain, there's a lot of people in my life who I'm very uncomfortable talking about it around. Sure. You know, they're, they are aware of it because I'm, I'm public about it, but on a one-on-one level, I'm not like, you know, sharing all of my stuff. Um, right. Because I think a lot of people are uncomfortable because it's, it's not just you. It's like most people don't have that access. Uh, you know, when we were talking about before, when growing up, not really knowing about um, things that my mom or sister were experiencing, uh, not having any kind of dialogue around food. Uh, same thing goes with really talking about your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some form of depression probably my entire life. The earliest I can remember is probably like six or seven years old. Um, it wasn't that I didn't want to confide in my family about it. There's part of me that felt like I would be making them feel like it was their fault. Hmm. And I never wanted them to feel that way because that would just actually make me feel worse. And I f- didn't want to feel worse. Um, and that's not necessarily on them. It's not that... Definitely not because I, I know that that would not have been the case. Yeah, yeah. especially now that but my parents... That when you're my young? parents getting older and yeah. like my dad opening up about For sure. things. And like maybe it's just because I'm more inquisitive about that kind of stuff because I've discovered those things in my own life mm-hmm. through your help. Um, but it's really interesting to kind of experience that at this point in my life. And I feel like I'm learning more about... With your about, parents, you yeah, mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. I feel like I'm learning more about who my family actually are every time I talk with them now. Yeah, absolutely. Because I have a good dialogue with them when, when we get to talk. Uh, my parents, obviously, on like a weekly basis. Everyone else in my family, you know, not so much. But we still are very close and open. And I don't know, everyone is opening up more. Maybe there's something to do with age maybe that's something to do with the state of where things are right Mm -hmm. now Um, well i also think one i think that your parents are a lot more open than maybe you realized um but two i think that them going through like the 
journey with food that they've gone through sure. has allowed them to open up even more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my my dad read your book and stuff. He he understands your history. Well, he's also he's a social worker. His whole Absolutely. life is being around people who have mental illness. Yeah, and understanding, um, yeah, empathy for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And which, you know, if you think about that, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I could have talked to him about being depressed. And, yeah. You know, but I just didn't have that kind of knowledge at that time. Of course. It wasn't accessible to me having not experienced much of life at all which was also confusing to me as like why am I depressed at such a young age Mm -hmm. like what did I have to be depressed about well that's the thing you don't have to be depressed about anything if you have depression it's a chemical imbalance and especially as you're growing up like when you're going through puberty and all that stuff like hormones and everything like there's just so many things that can cause it and it's not it's not there's a difference between situational depression and depression and you have depression sure because situational means something happened and then it caused you to be depressed and that's not that it's easier to deal with but that's something that it's like it can go away whereas when you have depression it is you know it's the it pops up it just is like, hey, I'm here again. Right. It's a fucking monster of a <laughs> thing to deal with sometimes. But, you know, I I think also the other part of what you're saying um, with the not knowing you could talk to your parents is that I think you were absolutely on the mark and right with what you were saying earlier that at that time there was just so much more of a stigma around it. Sure. There was so much more of like, and not, and I think when you were saying that you were talking about eating disorders, but it goes to, it's the same, it goes the same with mental health. It was like, absolutely. it was not honestly. Yeah. And I, I don't want this to sound super negative, but, things were pretty surface level in my family. Mm-hmm. And as far as like talking about any kind of like problems or anything like that, I feel like, yeah, we just didn't really do that. We, you right. know? And it was unknowingly and like not, you know, not, yeah, I think be- that not because my, yeah, but it's just weird because of who my family are. Like now that I, feel like I know my family much more Mm -hmm. like oh I probably could have talked to people about this I know I'm sounding repetitive now but it it goes for everybody in my family yeah Um, yeah I don't know yeah I mean and and again it goes it comes with age but it also comes with the times are times have changed yeah and I think I was just putting assumptions on people yeah absolutely projecting that yeah yeah like oh they're gonna react this way if I let them know that I don't like feel like being alive mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I, I I feel very fortunate to have had such a loving family because there have been times in my life where I'm like you know so depressed feeling extremely suicidal and then you know my family comes into my mind and it's like oh my god I would never do that to them mm-hmm and I feel lucky to have had those realizations and not gotten to a point where it's like, that doesn't even matter anymore. Right. So I haven't hit that kind of like 
deep, deep depression where it's like it, there's no turning back. I know you've experienced that. Right. Yourself. And I mean, I come from a loving family also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to do with how loving your family is. No, it of has course to not. do with a lot of other things, you yeah. know, like yeah. the severity of, of my depression, you know, is just higher. I, you know, it was yeah. more, the chemical imbalance is just more. And it's, yeah, I don't know. There was also traumas and lots of other stuff that stem into getting to a place where there is no turning back. Right. Um, but I also want to just uh, reflect on what you just said sure. because I'm, I'm just really, uh, I didn't want to say it because I didn't know how comfortable you were uh, sharing that, but I'm just really proud of you for mentioning the suicidal thing because I because it is something that you you deal with a lot more than I than uh, than anyone would know than anyone would know. I don't think any, any yeah I don't think I've ever really talked about um, my depression with anyone other than you outside of Christina or Harshita or yeah. any kind of like healer or soon to be therapist mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know why that is. I've had really close friendships in my life. Um, I don't feel like I have a best friend outside of you Mm -hmm. at this point in my life. I just don't feel very close to a lot of people. Um, And it shouldn't be hurtful to anyone who hears that. Um, I I think it's just that that, that's true. I don't see certain people. um, I don't talk to certain people and it's I don't know just time has gone by and I don't know I feel like I've drifted a lot from from the relationships I had and it's hard to make new relationships at this age I don't know how people make friends I know I don't either (laughs) I really don't and like I'm very fortunate to have you you know what though we say that but then like when we went back to LA in March and we were like oh my god we're so popular here we have so many friends in Los Angeles we have to remember that we went to LA not really knowing anyone we knew maybe like two three people we built those friendships we built those communities like we all all of the people aside from like Dan or anyone that you knew that we knew in New York um, that moved out there like all of those friendships were made in LA like yeah. we did that so we do know how to make friends it's just well, we haven't been in the right environment Los Angeles is a different situation for us because we're not from there we right. had to start from basically but you're from not from scratch. here no and when I moved here I got like 25 new friends in the first month because yeah. of school yeah but we didn't make a lot of we it took a while to build those friendships in LA understood like, but what yeah. I'm saying is right now like I know I have certain friends here mm-hmm. it's like because they live here I we don't always like initiate hanging out all the time or something you know we see people we kind of you, yeah I do you take it for granted no I initiate hanging out sure. with people all the okay, time okay I'll say I'll take it for granted a little bit more um yeah, because the only reason that you are hanging out with people is because I initiate hanging out sure. with people. Sure. <laughs> exactly. 
Otherwise, I would just really like to be alone. Yeah, but that's like <laughs> that's such a lie. But again, and we've had this conversation a lot, and again, here we are, you know, cycling back to mental illness stuff. I had very severe social. I still, I've, I have bad social anxiety, sure. and you have very bad social anxiety. I, okay, so one thing that you just did that I don't think that you should. Um, <laughs> Put you that. said. I have very no. I have is, I have bad social anxiety. You have very bad yeah. Anxiety. Sorry. Let's not. Okay. Yeah. No. So let me just re-clarify that. Sure. We both have social anxiety. Oh yeah. But I was in a position where I didn't have a choice. I had to learn how to fight against it, yeah. and because when I was like coming out of my stuff and after like living in a hospital for like six months and I had to relearn how to be a person and I you know and I've told this story a lot but it just makes sense to what I'm saying and like you know I got the job at Starbucks and I had to learn how to talk to people yeah I had to learn how to be a social person and I also had to learn how to be a successful friend I'm a very good friend I've always been a very good friend in the sense that like I really care about my friends and I will go above and beyond for you if you are someone who's like clear like takes space in my heart um but I didn't know how to make new ones um so I had to learn how to like what how to make friends how to be a successful friend in the sense that it's like okay we made a connection now how do I how do I take this to the next level where we are hanging out and we do become friends, not just like ships passing in the night. You know what I mean? Um, So I was like everything else in my life. I was forced into having to learn this. You know, I had to learn how to ask for help. I had to learn how to do every part of my life in order to survive. It was a survival mechanism. I think by the time that you and I met, because you have a lot of friends when you and I met, but by the time that you and I met... Um, a lot of those friendships had deteriorated. And, and and because you and I have this relationship where we are best friends, mm-hmm. um, it, it was... You didn't need to build the, the uh, tools that I had to build because I was alone. Um, you didn't need to learn that. Sure. So when it came time to like meet new people and like integrate, although you did, I mean, you, you inherited all of my friends. That's true. Or most of, most of. Who, all of them, who's not your friend. Well, yeah. I mean, all of my like really good yeah, friends. Yeah, all your, your closest friends. Are your friends, my friends also. Yes, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But I think you just have not been in a situation where you've been forced to have to do that. And I, and for me, the same thing, like I, the only way that I would make friends after that period of time in my life was through jobs. Right. Like all of my friendships came through my work and yoga, which ended up being my work. So either like schooling trainings, like the yoga was, or, my jobs that was the only way I was able to make friends once that went away and I had to stop doing yoga and I had to stop working because my bot because of my uh pelvis issue um I haven't made new friends since that time yeah and uh part of it is because 
it's so easy for us to just hang out with each other. Oh, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Also, I don't have alone time. Yeah, you definitely like, don't. Like, I am either time. at work or I'm with you, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's weird. Right. So, like, when you do get alone time, you're not wanting to, like, fill it with hanging out with other no, people. No, sometimes yeah. I just want to, like, sit there. Yeah. Like, last night when you went to bed, I sat here for 35 minutes and just sat here. And yeah. It felt very good. I was hanging out with Lori, and I don't remember what... It, somewhat recently we were hanging out and I was like oh I think when I went to go watch the uh, Fosters uh-huh. series finale um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Fosters <laughs> although not really because they have the spinoff is coming out great um, uh, but I had said to her I was like Ben will just sit there like when Ben gets alone time I was like sometimes I'll come home and I'll be like hey what'd you do and he's like I just journaled and I was, like, I was like, he'll sit there, no music, no anything, and just space out or journal. <laughs> okay, so the reason I need that, um, that's how I grew up. I spent a lot of time by myself. Oh, me too. I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid. At, like, at yeah, school I did. Like, I wasn't unpopular at school. Um, I always had, like, a couple of groups of friends. Mm-hmm. Um so that was always good at school. I never had to eat at a table by myself except for in junior high. I did. Um, yeah, no, I said it. I, it wasn't <laughs> You were uncool, way cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have been your friend, Sarah. You would not have been my friend? I said I would have been oh. your friend. What a horrible shitty thing. I, <laughs> I wouldn't would have been have. your friend. <laughs> I was like, thanks. You're lucky I didn't meet you earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that was very loud. Uh, whatever. I think it peaked. That's fine. It happens every episode. Well, you can also turn those areas down. That's <laughs> not. I'm just gonna blow people's ears out. It's fine. It's great. It's a, turn it all the way up for my whisper parts. Yeah. And then I'll get a nice surprise. <laughs> it's like watching. We uh, finished. We it's were It's like saying. streaming Hulu. Oh yeah, geez. That was. Can we just talk about that for a second? What? I know it's off topic, but. When you're watching Handmaid's Tale and you go oh from like God. such Quick. an intense scene to Quick check summer someday, get yourself some subs today. To get your quick checks up today. Like, it's so what? jarring. And then it goes back to another rape scene. It's like <laughs> so jarring. You gotta get different sponsors for yeah. those shows. Yeah, it's really like. Whoa. <laughs> We go finish what you were saying. What did I start saying? Oh my god! Yeah, hey, you got to keep track of this. Uh, I you know. This uh, you were talking about friends at school. Okay, so growing up, I spent so much time alone, and I loved it. Yeah. I would be in my room alone for hours and hours. On the weekends, I would just go out to the kitchen, say hi to my mom. If my dad was there, say hi to him. My sister would usually be off doing something. My brother was probably off with his friends. And I would just go back in my room, open that toy crate, just start playing with toys for hours, mm-hmm. no music on, just creating my own world. And then mom would yell, grilled cheese is ready at <laughs> noon or whatever, go out there. She'd cut it into thirds. Mm, mom, thank you so much. I'm going to go back to playing with toys. So I needed that alone. I, I just like that alone time. Sometimes, yeah, a lot of times I don't even play music. I just, like, will draw or write or just think. Or Like last night when you were like, what are you doing? 
And I was like, letting my mind wander. What? <laughs> letting my mind wander. Oh, the air conditioning. What? I couldn't hear Letting anything. my mind wander. And then you walked in the room, and I was like, I said I was letting my mind wander. <laughs> and then you were there. <laughs> I was like, okay. So well, it was no. interrupted six times, and then now <laughs> well, it's over. I wasn't just there. I was going to bed. Yeah, that's true. I went and brushed my teeth and yeah. then passed out. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just and like then, ruining your... And then I just came out of here and sat Yeah, and you have plenty of mind-wandering time after that. Because my, my brain needs to be so active all the time for the creative part of my job mm-hmm. that like I burn it out in certain ways and I feel like I don't just get it. I have to like focus on something. Okay, I got to think about an idea about this. You know, it's like very... Um, specified yeah. thinking whereas I don't just let my mind wander and just kind of I don't know burn off some of that like stress thinking yeah for sure absolutely I mean I understand why you do it I just would go crazy I need it because I, I ha- I'm like big on the distraction oh, it's not that I'm not big on distraction yeah. if you own a smartphone you are big on distraction yeah yeah like even sitting in the vet's office today, which wasn't for very long, we're both, on both our looking at our yeah. phones. Like, could just sit there. I'm getting to a point where I think once this episode goes out, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because it's social media. It has just been not necessarily Twitter because I like having Twitter because of the rapid pace in which things happen in the news right now. Yeah, I want to be informed. Yeah. Um, at least to what's going on. Sure. Uh, but when it comes to social media platforms that I that I know people on, like Facebook, yeah, you know, I don't know anyone on Twitter. Any person who I interact with on Twitter, I don't know them. Right. Um, I maybe know two people on who I see that tweet, and that and I don't interact with them, because um, that that's not what it's for for me. I just want to be informed about news, news and celebs and celebs, but mostly. Uh, television and movies and music. It's a lot of things. Pop culture, yeah, and also just because I'm I'm such a fucking fangirl that like I like being able to be like a 33 year old and having an outlet to go crazy about hey, things that I love. When I found out there was an Aquabats Kickstarter oh the other God. day, my freaking heart exploded. <laughs> it's now. So- so excited. It's now recorded. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm not ashamed of that. I know you're not. You shouldn't be. I'm not the one telling me to shut up about <laughs> talking about the Aquabats in public. Ugh, it's just so embarrassing. I love them. I know you do. It's an important part of my life that, you know, I've never been disappointed by one of their albums. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I get it. I, that's why I'm, you know, that's why I like to uh, do those things in a place where most people don't see. <laughs> Sometimes I love it so much that I have to do that it. Is, on... That's shameful. I'm not ashamed of my Aquabats love. I even dressed as an Aquabat one time <laughs> for Halloween. Oh, I didn't Me know and John that. McCarthy did it. We made the costumes. His mom made the helmets. It looked fucking incredible. Yeah, but there's a dip. You have more focused passions. I am constantly looking for the next thing. I no, I have hobbies, and I like things. I'm like a completist in a certain way. Yeah, for absolutely you are. Like, I love Stephen King books. I yes. love Donald Westlake books. And those are the two authors that I decided to collect. Yes. And I read their books. 
And it's not that I'm not open to reading other people's books, but I just really like the worlds that these guys create, mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to read their stuff. And I really like that about you. I think that that's cool when it comes But there will be things that I'm like, hey, remember when you were into that? And you're like, no. I know, because I what? move on to the next. I have, like, ADD when it comes to this shit. Yeah. I so really yeah. do. I get bored very easily. Sure. I become very passionate about things that make me feel. Sure. Um, and... And you know what? And actually, this is interesting. I realize now with my therapist um, that I think that the reason why uh, I am like that is because I am. I feel very. I feel a lot, but I also am always trying to escape my feeling. And I knew that, and I knew that, obviously, that's, like, part of having an eating disorder and, and you know, all of that, this binging and all that stuff. Um, it was always a distraction and a way to, like, f- shift my focus onto something else, amongst many other things. Um, but when it comes to, like, needing to not just fill my head with all of these stories and all of these, like, other, you know, stuff, but all, but then to, like have to move on so quickly like to like okay this isn't this isn't making me feel that anymore so now I need to find the new thing that's gonna make me feel that like like I know like how extreme it was for me with season three of SCOM where it was like holy shit I've never felt anything like this before this is like filling some sort of void inside of me that I I'm like connected to it and it's like a drug for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And as a person on the outside <laughs> watching that, it was oh, yeah. having the effects of drugs. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And, um, but if I went back right now and watched that, I wouldn't have that at all. I don't have that feeling that it's like you have you it and then it goes it. away. And I get over things very. So, wait, are you over me? Because. I'm not over it. Like, <laughs> no. What does it say about our relationship? Well, I don't have that with personal relationships because I'm the opposite with personal relationships. I'm very monogamous in all yeah. of my relationships. Me too. Uh, I know. We both are. And that's why we can have the tendency to be codependent because we're like... The tendency yeah, to be codependent? Well, why codepe- we are what codependent. A, yeah. Misleading <laughs> Yeah, why we are codependent. Um, because I, when it comes to my relationships... And like my real life, mm-hmm. I'm very habitual. Right. But when it comes to, and I think that that's why, one of the reasons why that I'm like so like okay, I need the next hit. I need the next. What's the next thing? What's the next song that's gonna make me feel that? What's the next show that's gonna make me feel that? What's the next movie? What's the next story? What's the next blah blah blah? Um, and I'm, and honestly, I don't think I don't look at it as like a bad thing. I just am kind huh? of understanding more why that happens because those are my passions that's what i love and so i went i was really ashamed of it for a really long time especially because it was very much looped into what people were saying about my eating disorder because it was like i wasn't just binging on food i was binging movies and television and stories and like living in those fictional worlds and um they were so attached to each other from a therapeutic standpoint that I developed a lot of shame around it where it was like I thought of it as a bad thing where now I'm like very appreciative of it and also it's like well of course I feel that way that's what I want to do with my life I want to write 
stories. Like I want to create television. Yeah. And I want to create those things because that's what my passion is. That's what I know better than anything. Right. And I think you're at on the cusp now of finding the line of okay, how much can I take in? Yeah, and and then utilize that to fuel my output. Totally. Instead of just like, because we'll watch something like I have a hard time binging things. Mm -hmm. I like to watch one episode at a time. I love weekly shows. Um, So do, but I think that you don't. you like no. binging things to an extent even to, to an even, extent sure yeah i'll watch two episodes in a row of castle rock yeah but i can't sit but there when and we were watch. watching handmaid's tale it was sure. like i think it depends on the show because you will binge things you'll want to binge you'll be like how do we not how do we stop like you know right what I mean? we did like, that with breaking bad years ago even with animal kingdom it was like animal we kingdom, need more i know we're current that, yeah, that, that's and it's rough. rough having to do week to week. <laughs> but I do like if I start a show week to week to continue it that way. Yeah, um, wait. So okay, go ahead. So I and for you and I to function as a couple that is creative together. Yeah, we need to draw that line. Like, Absolutely. Okay, let's not watch the next episode and let's put this inspiration to use. Yes. With our own creative, and I think ventures. we have been doing that. Lately. We have been doing that much. Better yeah, lately. we've been doing that lately a lot more, and I've been doing that a lot. Like I'm, I've been write, writing during the day and That's like amazing. working on the scripts and stuff like that. So it's we, we've been doing that a lot more for sure. And I and, I just needed the uh, for me. I just needed the courage to, sit down and and start. writing a show and being not you know getting those voices out of my head where it's like well I don't have the training or I don't and and honestly sure I didn't go to film school but like I've been around for the since we've met people who can I ask you a question yeah have you ever watched movies what have you ever watched movies you gonna answer it of course okay then that's all I paid for at film school yeah (laughs) yeah every fucking class was me going into a room where they turn off the lights and show the movie I'm like a Netflix subscription would do me just fine Mm. now but that didn't exist at the time Mm -hmm. I mean the DVDs did in the mail but you know yeah for sure and I don't feel like yeah I mean I learned I did learn certain things like editing theory was extremely important and probably story theory like all Mm. structure story structure and and I didn't learn that in college yeah well, I learned that in, if anything, I learned that in community college. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I've been just, te- I, just I teach myself it through just action because yeah. I'm like I've been. One thing that I think, me coming out of the eating disorder and being forced into having to really work hard to function as a human and get to a place where I'm like functioning as a human Mm -hmm. was that it really taught me that the only way to do things is to do it. And then I don't need all the training because when it came down to the time when I was really starting to get my shit together, I really threw out everything that I learned in hospitals and stuff like that. Like I wasn't utilizing those things as the things to keep me going. It was like I had to with the, sure. I, you know what, let me give them a little credit. Sure. With the information that I learned in there, like for instance, I work really well in structure. When I have structure, I work really well. Um, movement is really good for me. Uh, you know, I learned those things through being in those places and that experience. Um, but even 
even with meditation so even with yoga and meditation like i really like I, my spirituality became really strong once once i stopped working with people mm-hmm. once i stopped being a part of that community and doing all of that stuff it was like when i was left by to my own and then was working one-on-one with christina like working in that type of setting i learned working in like trainings and stuff like that i learn i get a lot out of it but i tend to have to throw those things out eventually and like really only keep what works for me but really kind of throw everything out and then find out what works through what i'm doing um but i really am the type of person where it's like i have to teach myself things i'm i'm have reached a point in my life where i'm really exhausted doing everything alone and which is why it's been great writing with you and like getting to work Mm -hmm. with you more and and taking that even further now with this new stuff but like uh i i've had to rely on myself to get anywhere in my life yeah and um right yeah and so when it when it came to me being like fuck it let's just sit down and try and write a script um I had to get over all of the things in my head that were like other people in the past shaming me around it or yeah. like whatever. Or and like, I was like even what? like even the lame excuse of like I don't know how to write. A yeah, script. exactly. And I was like so so just do it. it. Yeah. And so uh, it was another thing that it was like oh I just need to teach myself yeah. how to do it. And then once I started doing it, it was like oh this is actually a lot Very easier easy. for me than than I imagined. Like it's super easy for me. I don't know why. It's I mean I do it's know why. It's, yeah. But it's also like you don't have to be a genius to know how to do it. Like no, I don't mean. It's it it's, is it's very easy to pick up, and you're no, but, you're good at. You're a very dialogue. Yeah, I'm very dialogue. Like you yeah. can you can write the way people talk, which is very important. Yeah, but um, also, but I think that you're missing what I'm saying. Okay, I ahead. mean, in the sense of like, let me continue to guess. Okay, shut up. <laughs> I think in the sense of like, I didn't believe that I was capable of writing fiction is so stupid but it's not it's not stupid it's i it was because i did i wouldn't do it i was so i I was always felt like i needed to write in my own about my own life and so it took a long time for me to sit down and when i wrote the ya book that was like a first entry point in and i was like oh i can do this if i sit down I live in a fictional world in my head. I have lived in a fictional world in my head for 33 years. I spend all my life watching fiction. That is the thing that I do more than anything else in my life. That's why, and to I me, so it never st- made any yeah, sense. Yeah, totally. And I think to anyone who knew me, it wouldn't make any sense. But to me, I was so scared of it. And then as soon as I would sit down and do it, I was like, oh my god, this shit just flows out of me. Okay, so absolutely... 100% agree. And the thing that just never made sense to me, in addition to the things that you just said, as far as, like, you've lived in your head, like, you, uh, the amount of stuff that you blow through, like, oh, how many seasons of that show did you watch today? Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> um, it, and on top of that, you've always been so good at just being, like, having creative input on anything that I'm working on. Like, mm-hmm. I've always listened for your input because you have good ideas well because i think that the two things that i have done the most in my life is one living in fictional worlds in my head Uh and two being a um being a person who helps 
other people. It is very easy for, in the same sense where it's like, I, you know, being a health coach and like being able to know what people need and like how to, how to work with them. My, I'm, I'm very intuitive when it, when it comes to that stuff. I don't know why I just am. I've always been the person who, you know, helped other people, but I don't just mean like mentally. I mean, when it comes to projects, like I, when it comes to someone else's project, it's very easy for me to like, be like, Oh, okay. Well that's, I feel like that's the area that that could like, you know, change or like, this is like this thing. And I'm also, I've also, I think because of the fact that I wasn't for so long, I wasn't living my own life. I was living everyone else's life. And so my position in all of my friendship was motivator and like cheerleader. You know, I was like, tell me, all right, tell me what's going on. Let's figure this out. And because create the creative life is just like the life that I, you know, the creative life, that sounds so pretentious, but like (laughs) storytelling, because storytelling is such a huge, it's my life. That's my life. I, I submerge myself in storytelling of all, of all kinds. It's what I like the most. So it's just easy for me to be like, I don't know, a, a problem solver when it comes to, I just, I don't, I, again, I think it just comes from like having to be that person for, for everyone else for most of my life and then having to be that person for myself to save my own life. And so it just, the two things that are easiest for me to do are that are being a problem solver for other people. And it, and that cap, that came to a fault. Like I had to learn where my boundaries were um, as far as protecting myself, but also not getting too invested and involved in other people's stuff. Oh yeah. Because like and, not everyone wants that. And you know that I had that same experience with my friends. Too. Yeah. As the friend that people would confide in. I was the one that would become best friends with people. Mm-hmm. I had so many individual best friendships. Yeah, me too. But they'd get really intense and not even really dramatic, but like I would always probably push people to a point where they were just like, I don't want this person either this involved in my life or like I don't care much as much about me as this person does, so I'm going to cut this friendship off. Like, do you know what I mean by that? Like, I think yeah. I've made people uncomfortable with how much, like, I'm or Do invested. I know what that feels like? Of course! Yeah. That's like, <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's, like, what I struggle with all the time. I mean, it's it's weird, and I've talked about this a lot in therapy recently, because I am trying to, like, figure out, you know, what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with when it comes to the relationships in my life. Um, because of that, because I am, like, I will go above and beyond for someone, and... And not that I, not that it's like, oh, you go above and beyond for someone and so they need to do something for you. But to go above and beyond for someone consistently and receive nothing yes. is like, it's just not an acceptable relationship for, for me anymore. Yeah. Um, well, that's where we were at when, and to go back to a point that we brought up earlier, when you and I met, I was in yeah. a lot of friendships where it was like, wait a second, am I the only one putting in an effort here? Right. And... To no fault of anyone else's, like I don't, I'm, 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 I don't have any like bad feelings towards anyone yeah. I was friends with at the time, but um, I realized that if I stopped putting in the effort, this friendship would end. 
Right, absolutely. And that's what happened yes. with, you know, like six or seven people that were really close in my life. I'm like, yeah. wow, like we've moved on and I'm just now realizing how moved on everyone already is. Right, absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't remember what I was saying about with work, what I was working on with my therapist when it comes to that. Right. I lost it. That's, That's all right. Okay. I mean, what I said yeah. was gold. Oh, yeah. That just tied right back into it. the mm-hmm. old things yeah. we were talking about. Yeah. So one thing that we haven't discussed, though, and we led up with this in the beginning, we haven't talked about food and body issues at all. Yeah. So yeah. So ask away. Well, I mean, what, just why don't you share what you're comfortable sharing? Okay. Um, I think like a lot of people, I didn't grow up with any nutritional education. Mm-hmm. Health class, uh, they didn't teach that. Elementary school, we had the four food groups that they, at some point while we were still in school, changed to the food pyramid, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if that exists anymore. But whatever it was, this shit doesn't even make sense. And it doesn't account for any different types of bodies or like you know allergies or anything it's just like a the most generic uh well, food education yeah. you could ever have yeah and as we you also, get wait, older remember it's when we, complete bullshit. what was that movie that we watched uh was it fed up that one that was like about sugar we saw it at like yeah, the pasadena yeah. Lemley, um where they were talking about how the food pyramid was like it was like built by companies to yeah, sell was, products. Yeah, basically. by yeah. cheese. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the government had a subsidy with the dairy. Well, the, you remember what they talk about is they ended up with all of this cheese because skim milk became yes, very popular. Yes. So they ended up with all this byproduct from skim milk that was then turning into cheese. How can we get money money on this cheese? It's <laughs> so just piling up over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all bullshit. Yeah. It's a capitalistic society. And but also, when it comes to nutrition and, and bodies and food, a lot of it is bullshit. Yeah. A, and not just because of the government, because people just don't, you know. People don't know. People just don't know. And it, and it is such an individual thing. Of course, there's some things that are going to be universal, but most things are not. And there's also so much. Uh, judgment around it that sure. it keeps from there being a space for things to be different. Yeah. Um, and that's people are more aware of it now, so that's you know thank God. But still, it still of course happens, and it's still like a niche thing that people are aware of it, like body positivity movement or health at any size and stuff yeah. like that. And even that, there's problems within those things. But sure. like, yeah, like sh- I don't know that anyone really learned nutrition because I think that like you can't really learn I don't know I have such a weird viewpoint on it now as you know because of going from dieting to not dieting and um and then having to like deal with the okay but I feel like shit now like how do you do this with there's just I think what I'm realizing again through therapy man guys my my therapist is I'm very excited for you to be in therapy especially because he does the same type of therapy what was the rest of your sentence a second ago um well through (laughs) through through therapy um that I'm realizing like I'm trying to turn off all of the other people's voices in my head yeah in my heads in my head so that I can 
actually be intuitive because it's like there's an intuitive eating is a another movement and it's like of course where you want to head to is to be able to intuitively eat to know what your body needs and to follow that Mm -hmm. um and but that's really hard in a society and for me an environment where i've been so steeped in um food stuff and i have all of these different not just from the way that i grew up or like the um stuff that i've had to focus on but I went through school. I went to IIN. So I went through nutrition school. Like, so to, in order to be able to like actually hear myself, it's like, I have to, I have to isolate myself from the, from those worlds, from that world, even the body positivity and health at any size, I need to isolate myself from it so that I can hear myself. Right. And yeah, for me, I, I don't feel like I need to align with any particular lifestyle mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't subscribe to that. But you have. Sure. Because we and have And I feel together. like the same thing goes with, it, it's almost like a religion, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, oh no, you have to follow all of these things. It's like, well, how about just the good things and then I feel out the rest and like use my own common sense, you know, a little mix mm-hmm. of things. Um, and that's how I've started to learn how to Right. You know, um, what I was saying is, you know, not only was I not brought up with knowledge around food, I wasn't brought up with people who were knowledgeable about food. So it's not Mm -hmm. like people were keeping secrets from me. No one knew. Mm -hmm. My mom's from a family where it was like, you know, six kids or whatever. And I'm sure that as soon as like convenient meals came around, that's they just switched to that. Mm -hmm. That was it. Because my, you know, my mom made dinner every night and my dad would pitch in and he, he's like the summer guy he cooks all summer um and soups in the winter so my parents are very much cookers but your parents are i grew up eating cooks. every time we go to new hampshire i'm just like oh my god the food that they make is so crazy wow. it's so good so they the practice makes perfect right because growing <laughs> it up wasn't that way well i mean a family of five two people making not a lot of money supporting the whole family and having a house and you know other expenses we didn't have much money so like we i grew up thinking that steak was chewy because that's all i knew of it mm-hmm. i thought steak was disgusting like why would you want to eat rubber i thought that peas only came in cans mm-hmm. when i discovered other forms of peas later on i was like oh, they're so this delicious this is what it's supposed to taste like frozen peas oh my god they're green yeah they're not brown you know, so I didn't grow up eating good food, and I would go to McDonald's as a kid all the time. Mm-hmm. After my football practices and games, we'd always go to McDonald's. I was a big Burger King fan. Um, but I didn't either. My parents didn't really cook all that much, and they were single parents. They didn't mm-hmm. have money or time to be able to cook. Like I was around real food when it came to like my nanny and pop up. Sure. But even my even with my grandparents on my mom's side like we would eat out all the time like we would right. go to like fancy meals but we would right. we would eat we out, would eat out once like, a week we would go out for either pizza or if the pizza place was filled we'd go across the street to mcdonald's mm-hmm. and we ended up at mcdonald's by choice several we were a times wendy's family we my dad was a wendy's person um but there was only one wendy's and pudgies. did there, you guys have pudgies no we don't have pudgies yeah um the Wendy's were not conveniently located in my town. 
Yeah, I also, you know, I grew up on Long Island, so we were big pizza and Chinese food people. We were huge pizza people. We ate pizza every Friday, typically from Nashua House of Pizza. Got a, a spinach and feta pizza, that, just one large, split that with the family. Um, and then we would order Domino's all the time, too. Like, Saturday nights, a lot we of times. We would never order Domino's. Oh, we ordered like the sacrilegious. shit out of Domino's. Well, I didn't live in New York. I know. Also, it, New York needs to get over itself. Oh, listen, I've, I'm with you on the... Uh-huh. Domino's is delicious. Well, I've just had pizza from so many places, and, like, just shut up about... It. You got doughy crust, and it's a little chalky. I love it. it. It's not the best. It doesn't have a ton of flavor. Uh, I disagree, and I love it. I love that type of crust that we get in New Hampshire, where it's like almost like an egg wash or something on the crust and it's crispy, mm. flaky. It's almost like a pastry. Whew, that's good. Anyway. So I just eating I grew up eating a lot of microwave foods. Yeah, me too. All my snacks were bullshit, like little Debbies and oh, Drake's no. cakes. Mine and, was like health food. No, that's what I mean. This, yeah. I didn't eat health food. It's not that I wouldn't eat vegetables, but my vegetables were canned or overcooked. But I ate a lot of candy when I could. Yeah, but okay. So, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But at the same time, like, my parents both would be on diets and would, like, try sure. and eat health food and all that stuff. And I ended up <laughs> weighing over 300 oh. pounds and, like, binging well, and eating thing. shit all the time. So, that's it doesn't really Because I ate make a so much bad food. <laughs> yeah. Um, just but I was I don't know I don't know what it was that kept me thin but I should have been like obese about the the by the amount of stuff I was even eating. when I met you you the the story that I always go to is uh during Easter because that's your oh, favorite yeah. first of all Ben loves candy he loves candy I'm trying to leave that behind yes but loves candy and so much more so when we met and Easter is your favorite candy time it's the best candy time it's not just mini versions of everything you're used to right it's specialty special candy yeah specials <laughs> special candy special <laughs> um but we, I early in the days that we were dating you were um visiting cause Ben lived in Brooklyn and I lived on Long Island um when we met and so you were out and one of those so we have all these we didn't talk about this when we talked about a relationship but we have a lot of weird things synchronicities yes and one of them being that your childhood best friend lived in my hometown because yeah. he went to college there in Long Island on Long Island so he lived in Huntington and so when you were I think I was working and you yeah. were like out uh, I went to with John's me, house. and you went to his house yeah. um, and you guys went to a petting zoo and somehow ended up with a bunch of I don't know understand how this happened no. okay so he lived down the street from the petting zoo the petting zoo was completely removed from oh anything. okay I thought it was after we just went zoo. there during the day and then afterwards we went to his house around the corner and he lived in the basement of a family's home in a regular suburban neighborhood um, I guess technically in Farmingdale um, and he had like candy and like some like baguettes and this is the grossest thing. it had just been easter so there was leftover easter candy my favorite you know what's amazing reese's eggs 
Oh, that's just an egg-shaped Reese's peanut butter cup. No, no, no. The ratio of peanut butter chocolate is different. It has a different uh, cons- like texture to the outside of it. It's not ridged. Um, and it's fantastic. So I took a baguette and I kind of pushed in the inside, hollowing it out a little bit. And I shoved the peanut butter egg in there. And I took some jelly bellies and I <laughs> sprinkled them in. And I made myself a little... And I squeezed it so that the peanut butter came out of the chocolate. I made myself a little peanut butter chocolate jelly bean sandwich in a baguette. Yeah, really disgusting. Um, although not to, not to judge, because, you know, teach their own. Everyone has a different taste. But I was like, what? what? Um, to each their own. Yeah, to each their own. Absolutely. Or as my dad says, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> he does say that, and it's I like that. It's from something, but I don't remember what it's I from. bet it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you not only loved candy. What's your other favorite thing? I don't know. What? Sandwiches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandwiches. Then, when we met, you turned anything that you possibly could into a sandwich. So, you took your two favorite things, made them into one, (laughs) and, you know, just ate a bunch of candy candy sandwich. Candy sandwich. I mean, you you bring it up a lot, and not everyone's grossed out by the story. Yeah, I I am. Great. (laughs) And this was the last time they ever talked about it. Yeah, okay. Um... Yeah, so... What did so, I yeah, have to so do you, before we were talking about? Well, we were talking about nutrition and just, like, training, which I don't really think is the reason why, like... Okay, let me tell you how I used to eat. Ready? When I was a teenager and I could finally drive a car, I would, me and my friends, or even me solo, depending if I was in on a lunch break from college or whatever, um, we would go to... Burger King or Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever, KFC, and I would get so much food. I would get four Whopper Juniors and, uh, or I'd go to Wendy's and I'd get two bacon double, not bacon double cheeseburgers. Um, I forget what it's called. That's fine. I know, but it's it's very delicious. Um, junior bacon cheeseburgers from Wendy's. Get myself a frosty. Get myself some chicken nuggets and dunk them in the frosty and I, I mean i just eat such crap sorry but that food is crap yeah um and it's not like i was supplementing it with anything i wasn't taking vitamins i wasn't eating any mm-hmm. healthy vegetables outside of that but i was so thin yeah i could eat like that every day i think a lot of people are like that even Lorena sure. talked about that in her ep- on the conversation that we had for her episode she was sure. like i would just eat all this Garbage all Garbage, the time. but, um... Well, it started to become a problem when I moved to New York. My first year there, not so much. I didn't really gain any weight, but I was eating worse than I ever have. I would get a pint of Ben & Jerry's every night. Yeah. I know you've been down, down that road. A lot of people probably have. But that starts to have an effect on your body. And the amount of sugar I was intaking, I would drink... Uh, one of those 99 cent Arizona iced teas for lunch. I'd have one in the afternoon. I'd have one at dinner. I'd go get pizza and have one of those. I'd go buy two big zebra cakes, little Debbie zebra cakes, and one of those iced teas. Like, that's how I was eating in college. Um, so I started putting on weight, and towards the end of my um, my time at SVA, I had put on like 35 pounds from 
what I was my freshman year there. And that's when I met you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the way I felt. And I was still drinking at that time, which I never liked drinking, but I drank anyway. I liked the feeling of being buzzed. I did not like being drunk. I was the same. I didn't like drinking. Yeah, so beer was my thing. But then I found out I was allergic to it, and I loved the fact that you were like, oh, no, I don't want to drink either. Well, honestly, I think finding out that you were allergic to beer was, like, the best thing that ever happened for both of us. Because I was like, oh, which is such a ridiculous thing that, at least in my head, that I felt like I needed that excuse to stop drinking when I did. I could have, I just didn't like it, and I wanted to stop drinking anyway. But, like you having an allergy i was like oh this will be more socially acceptable of that fact that we don't can i tell you that i've met a lot of people and like people i've been close friends with like even in recent years who when they find out i don't drink and it's just me and them they'll go lucky oh everyone everyone like what majority of people who i who i tell i don't drink either they also don't drink Mm -hmm. or they're like Oh man, I wish I, I wish could, I do, could that. do that. And I'm like, yeah. well, you can, but you can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like with certain things, like with me giving up candy, it's not that yeah. easy for everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just our choice. And I mean, it's just a, I think about it's become again, such a no. social norm for people yeah. that like. I mean, we watch those fantastic shows about people at beaches. We watch X on the Beach. We watch Jersey Shore. <laughs> we watch Florabama Shore. And what, what mess? We watch The Bachelor. All they do on those shows is drink alcohol. Yeah. So that's like what people are being fed. Yes. And also going back to toxic masculinity, especially growing up when we grew up, like that fraternity type of uh, mentality kind of burned into a lot of people's minds. Absolutely. It's crazy. Like my brother had to drink so much in college, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I drank to excess to the point where, you know, blacking out and not remembering my night was like a slap in the face. Like, dude... You're lucky that, like, you actually had a pretty decent night. That could have gone a totally different way. Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't like who I was when I drank. Yeah, uh, same. I didn't either. And it's not like the, oh, I need to be in control all the time. I, I'm not like that. It's more, I just didn't like the way I felt. Yeah. It just, for me, it just, and I know we've gone off topic again from food and body, but for it, me... It all ties it, back. Yeah. For me, it, it just accentuated all of my insecurities. Yeah. It was like, I would drink and it would just make me feel worse about myself. And I was like, man, I don't need to feel worse about myself. I don't feel good to be right. with. And you brought that up to, for the first time the other day. And I was like, oh, really? Like, for me, it was like, I didn't give a shit about anything if I drank. And that was problematic. Because I would be loud. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I was super loud. I mean... Like that time I yelled at... It's not that I didn't have that, but I was never... I never was in a place where I, like... It was almost like I was putting on an act. Right. Because it was like I wanted to feel the freedom that other people felt when they drank, but I was so in my head and so yeah. aware of things that I didn't know how to, other than by just being so extra yeah and because i can be like that when i'm sober that's not something that i need alcohol for that's just my social anxiety you know what i mean like i can get really loud and crazy and just dancing all over the place i don't need alcohol to get to that place so i was like putting on an act like i didn't care but i and i think i'm just realizing that 
now. Yeah. Uh, because I was very hyper aware and I was like, I hate this. I don't like how I feel. I don't like how I'm being perceived. I don't like any of this. And this is not making me feel the way that other people are saying it's making them feel. Right. Yeah, I would drink and I would like be super social to the point like I would talk to people who didn't want to be talking to me. Uh, I remember going out to drink again with Matt Cashella, his name coming up. Um, we were at a bar one time and we just sat at the bar drinking PBRs and the guy started off the night like super friendly to us and then the more we drank he started to ignore us because we were becoming obnoxious Oof. and we were starting to like and his name was also Ben and we're like hey Ben come on like what happened man like, Oof. It's, like it's freaking pathetic you just you're like a loser um so I didn't like feeling like that. Um, One I, more thing and then I'll leave it. It's okay. also just been really interesting and and I know you can attest to this as well, that when you stop drinking, but you still are like, you know, because we're still social, we'll still sure. go out and we're around a lot of people who drink. But if but, you want to drink, go for oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't have a, I don't give a shit. I, I, everyone can do what they want. That's yeah. fine. That's, you know, our life is our life. But it is, it does give you a different vantage point of like, watching people progressively get drunk oh yeah and watching people just like that yeah that moment yeah you see their face shift yeah it's too late yeah they're gone to a point where i'm not gonna try to talk to that person right and i think because it's been so like it's been six years for me since i have since i I stopped drinking for you and six and a half or something for me no it's been it was the first time that we were in los angeles the first time that we lived there, so for that month. Okay, I don't know. It's been a long time. 2012. Right, well, I don't know the math on that. Okay, well, that was six years ago. Okay, yeah, so six years oh. ago. Yeah, so six years ago for me and seven years ago for you. Yeah. Right? And so because it's been so long, just like, it's like, we, <laughs> it's like, oh, I just, I know when to leave. <laughs> I know when like, to leave. I know when to leave. I know and when sometimes, to, yeah. And this sounds shitty, but... I know when to not go. Yes. Like, oh, everyone's going to be drinking? Well, here's the thing. That's fine if you're also going to be drinking. As a sober person, watching that and then also having to deal with that where everyone is just too drunk, it's not not a good time. No. Um, But that's not always the case because we go out with my friend... You know what I mean? Like to weddings and to parties and stuff all the time, and everyone's getting drunk. And yeah. I think it's also just people s- as they're old get older. Specified, to, yeah. Like I haven't seen. I I, you're around a lot less wasted people. Correct. But we are around wasted people sometimes. But it's also like the the environments that you choose to be in. Like I would never choose to go to a bar. No. I would never choose to go to. I don't know. When we were living in L.A., a lot of of people we would meet that find out, like, what neighborhood we're in. They're like, oh, do you know this bar? Oh, Oh, I bet you go to that bar. cat, black cat. Yeah, if I lived there, I'd go to this bar all the time. Like, oh, actually, I've never set foot. Thirsty Crow. Thirsty Crow. Yeah. (laughs) I'd never set foot in a single bar in our neighborhood. And people would be like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I don't drink. What? And it's like... I didn't like those environments when I was drinking. Like, why would I... Here's the thing. I don't like loud. Yeah. Sorry. I just... I don't like having to scream when I talk to someone. And I really... 
it's not like they're playing my favorite music no. in there. It's, you know, it's nothing needs to be that loud for me. I have yeah, sensitive I ears as well. It's also such a weird concept and just like goes to show how much drinking is ingrained in our culture is that like there are specified places for people to just go and get wasted. And like and that's you just so stand bizarre. there in the dark yeah, you know, it's and not loud, yelling at each other, watching each other get progressively drunk yeah. until someone either has had enough or is drunk enough to do something with you or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's so weird yeah, that that's no like thanks. that's where and it and and I will say and this goes again back to what we were talking about earlier with making friends. Like we've had moments where we we're just like, man, I wish we drank because if we drank, maybe we would know how to be more social and make more friends, which is such a crazy thing to think about but if you think about the fact that there are even just on the corner here how many bars are there like right by our, our apartment yeah, like there's, there's two right on that bar yeah there's the the social hubs where people are like let's go and hang out yeah. are these are bars and it's so like actually there's four bars on that block yeah yeah and it's so bizarre because it's like well that's what hanging out is like i don't right and granted, I, as we get older, like that's not the case anymore. No. But it is still. To Here's an what extent, I'll say, especially living in New and York, again going back, going yeah. back to what we were talking about before, those friendships that of mine that were deteriorated. When I stopped drinking, that's when I realized, like, oh my god, and 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 I had known this for a long time, but I'm like, everybody, is just the only thing they're doing together is drinking together. Yeah, exactly, and like. I've always had creative friendships, so all through high school we shot videos and we made music mm-hmm. and we did things mm-hmm. like we didn't drink or anything. So when alcohol came into the picture, all anyone ever wanted to do was drink, except for me. I still wanted to to make stuff and create things, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't a priority for anybody anymore. So it, that became very stifling for me. Like I couldn't get together with the people who I was once productive and creative doing something I felt was at least somewhat fulfilling I couldn't just have that outlet anymore it was taken away from me so those friendships deteriorated because of that as well yeah and I and again like I don't judge anyone who drinks no I and I am I'm I am jealous of it a little bit like I wish that I was able to like go to dinner and have a glass of wine and just like get a little buzz and you know silly and like hang out but that's just that's like the dream scenario that's not how i react to alcohol like that's not the actual thing that would happen right the last time you had a sip of wine you threw up for the next day the whole next day yeah and that was the last time i drank (laughs) um but yeah so i but i am jealous of people who can just like i'm just gonna casually have a little drink but then at the same time i'm really not jealous because i'm just grateful that that's like not something that i have to worry about (laughs) financially or like physically physically like we don't have to worry about hangovers we don't have to like yeah and and we're both daytime people yeah oh when i used to drink and i would wake up in the afternoon what a waste of a day oh my god going back to talking about you know feeling suicidal and stuff yeah oh my god what a horrible time in my life totally obviously alcohol is a depressant anyway Mm -hmm. but when you're missing the next day and you wake up in time to get showered and get ready to go out to drink again, 
Oh, yeah. sorry. I, I, this isn't really working for me. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's just, you're just putting on a mask. It, right. And every, you know, all the time. It's like, that's what I think I don't understand about, like, oh, hangouts being, like, bars or, like, places like that. It's like, we're just going to put on a mask every single time that we hang out. Right. And so you're never really getting to know someone, really, because you're just seeing something that's altered. The thing that drives me the most crazy is when people are like, people are only truthful when they're drunk or like people tell the really show who they are when they're drunk. And it's like, no, people just get sloppy and then say shit. Like you're not actually being truthful and who you are. Like if you're masking yourself so much that you never are able to be honest with someone unless you're shit faced and you don't even realize you're doing it, that's not really being honest. That's just like being shit faced and then saying stuff that you didn't want to say. Yeah, and either didn't want to say or feel so, uh, you know, you're so repressed that the only way to say it is to get to those states. Right. And again, and I will say that, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this about everyone. Like I have, you know, we have a lot of friends who drink, and most of our friends drink. But like, almost all of them. Yeah, yeah but I also have known most of those people for a very long sure. time. So. I don't know. Now I feel like we're sounding judgmental. So, do we want to go back to food a little bit? Wait, okay. So, since we are, like, running out of time, we're... Yeah, I gotta be in places. I, oh, I yeah. Can't <laughs> no, but we just are at, like, two-hour marks. I kind of want to... I think what I was saying, and, and again, this is... Everyone's story is different and everyone is different, but just knowing you, like... When we first started dating, you were like, oh, my God... I think that I've been binging. Yeah. And, oh my God, this is an emotional thing, not a physical thing. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, this isn't really about you not knowing how to eat and not know Because I don't think anyone really did. And, right. and in the 90s and in the... Like, that wasn't... Look at commercials of... Look at the food that was provided at that time. Like, our culture was like, let's go to Pizza Hut and like... You know, whatever. Easy Um, solutions. But what I want to get to more, because this is the part that I think is more important and kind of goes in the line with, not that I think you had an eating disorder. I don't think you had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. But you definitely had, like, emotional eating. And when it came to not dealing with mental illness, how, like, do you think that maybe a lot of that was stemming from trying to numb out those feelings that like you weren't allowing to even talk to anyone about or like maybe I think I don't know there's a few things that it could have been um but and again again and I don't mean to interrupt you but just because we're getting to the end of it it's not even like I guess what am I trying to say I guess because you still deal with it now yeah. And you deal with a lot of body image issue stuff now, and you deal with a lot of... We both do. We both deal with the same things. We both deal with the body image stuff, and we both deal with, like, the food guilt and the food fears and, like, all of the stuff that comes with that and then going from binging to restricting and binging to restricting because we were doing that together. Like, yeah. we would go on these really intense 
diets yeah. and or like food lifestyle changes. Yeah, I don't even want to say that. It's not like we were crash dieting or anything like that. We were just like, I mean, okay, we I'm say that we weren't. Now, and I'm doing the vegan thing for two years without actually really getting educated on it. But boy, am I sticking to this vegan. Right. Thing. And then we did paleo for another like yeah. two years. Yeah. And then, but in between that, we did the... Um, the all ice cream diet. <laughs> well, in between every single one of those, we did the all ice cream diet. But no, I mean, we did do kind of like a crash dieting thing, but under the guise of we're trying to figure out what we're allergic to. Oh, an elimination Eric, diet. Yeah, the, we did the... Um, what was that? The Simple. candida diet. Oh, the candida one. Where we didn't eat anything except for vegetables and meat that was very interesting because it created that brain fog yeah. they called it where i guess your body's burning stuff off and like things are dying inside you because they're not being fed by sugars mm-hmm. or whatever but um yeah i really felt like shit in the beginning of that that was that was a rough one i felt like shit the whole time we did it <laughs> I don't know. think that there was ever a time where I was like, I feel refreshed. Well, I felt like shit. Anytime we did any kind of like detoxing type of thing, it would hit you so hard. Oh, I got so really sick. Hard. I would get really sick. And I would be pretty much fine. But I think that's because of the amount of medications that I was on when I was growing up. I have a lot of toxins in me from the medicine that I like was on. Like still just like sitting in you? Yeah, that's how it... It doesn't just go away. It's just, yeah. like, in your bloodstream, like, whatever. And I was on so... Like, you have to understand the amount of medication that I was on and sure. for how long I was on that amount of medication. Yeah. Like, I'm sure every time I detox that that's I was on what, one medication for two years, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but... But what was it? It was for epilepsy. But what was I it? I don't know. What's all Dilantin. Oh. It made my gums all swollen up. And I had a woman tell me one time that she was a hygienist, and she's like... I see that you're on Dilantin and it's supposed to swell your gums, but this is ridiculous. Oh. And I was like, lady, it's not my choice. Okay, yeah. I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah. And then when I got off the medicine, I went to a doctor and the woman was like, or not a doctor, another hygienist, and she was like, your gums are so healthy. <laughs> and then, of course, I ruined my gums thinking, I, I left there with like a, eh, I knew I had good gums. <laughs> And I started brushing harder against them, and I made them recede, and I fucked up my mouth. But for a minute there, I had good gums. Mm. Yeah, I keep we keep not getting to this point, and so I'm just gonna ask you. So I just sure. want you to kind of touch on um, the emotional part of it, really, like the With real, eating? yeah, the real part of it, not the nutrition and not the anything, but like the real things underneath it, and. Because I think that when it comes to... I think men are a lot more open to fucking around with their diet now. Like a lot sure. of people doing paleo, a lot of people doing keto, a lot of people doing all of these things. Yeah, Again, yeah. those are very masculine diets uh-huh. as well. Um, but um, I, when it comes to like the emotional part of it, I don't think that... I think that's the part that is that people yeah, aren't willing sure. to talk about. For sure. Um so I'll break down that wall for all of men. Yeah, out why don't there. you fix this? I'm fixing for the problem. Everyone. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Sometimes when when it comes to eating, it's more the self destructiveness inside of me, which is obviously emotionally fueled. I don't know what causes it. Why people are self destructive in nature to begin with. 
when I meet someone who's not self-destructive, I think that's weird. Mm, me too. I don't it's so it. rare. It's so and weird. I'm like, wait, what? So you don't do anything? Like, yeah, well, when in my free time, I do this. And then when I, uh, you know, eat, I like to have this type of... And it's like, okay, you're doing everything right and you're actually happy. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I know. trust this person. <laughs> um, so... I don't know. The self-destructiveness has always been there. Always been there. Uh That's why I was always a procrastinator as a kid. Like, you know, that's classic tale of anyone in grade school. But I wouldn't do the project until the night before. I wouldn't, you know, even give me... I had four months one time to do a project that I did the weekend leading up to it. And I say the weekend, but probably Sunday afternoon to Monday morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything was right at the last minute all the time. That's always stemmed from self-destruction. So I don't know why it's sewn into me, but it's it's there. Um, I think, yeah, it's just more common than not. So I guess there that is emotional to some degree. But there's also a loneliness factor, which is an emotion. Because um, sadness becomes a huge part of being lonely mm-hmm. and like I said before I love my alone time when I can get it but when you actually feel lonely that's different well can I because you can be with people and still feel well, real well this is what lonely. I was going to say is that the times where I have experienced your the most self-destruction self-destructive part of you I don't really see it unless we're doing it together which we have which we have had the tendency to do. Um, I don't really see the self-destructive side of you um, except for in social situations, except yeah. for around other people. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me because who, you, like, I, even even when it comes to food, where yeah. we'll be like, you know. Well, we're the snack table people. Yeah, but like. Because but, of anxiety, because of. Uh, honestly, because of not drinking, sometimes yeah. I gravitate to food in those yeah, social totally. situations. I get that also, yeah. The strange thing is, I'm a pretty social person. I like talking to people, mm-hmm. and when I, but I always have to be the one to make the effort, and that gets tiring. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just because people are in their own world a little more, it's more and more probably because of the the way people just get so involved in their own shit, you know, mm-hmm. are distracting themselves. Um, you know, before cell phones and stuff, I would, that feeling of just standing there and have no one to talk to. Oh my or, God. That was my whole life. Yeah. Parties. That's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. Um, so I felt like that even when I was with people because I f- wouldn't feel a connection with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person that likes to connect with people. I'm fine with having surface level friendships. That's fine. We're but, both people who want to connect with people. But I just want to yeah. know people. Yeah, me too. And like... You know, sometimes I get to know people too well too quickly, and it's like it implodes, you know? That's happened. But, um, and like we talked about before, where it's almost like I become too involved in someone's life to the point where they're like, "Eh, this friendship's over. But, I don't know, in those social situations where I remember Lorena's senior thesis show when we went to that mm-hmm. for SVA and I've never eaten more cheese in my entire oh my God, life. 
I just, they just kept bringing it out, we and it was in a giant pyramid. Table. I didn't even look at most of the photographs yeah. or projects in the room, or several rooms, since it was the entire floor of a building. Um, I, I just shoved my face full of stuff, because I either didn't want to interact with other people, or I just felt really anxious in that environment. Mm-hmm. I don't like crowds. I don't like going to concerts. I don't like going to things where there's just so many people and it's loud. And it's not like at something like that where it was a thesis show. People are there to come and support people graduating and see their work and stuff like that. It's not like we were there for all one thing. It mm-hmm. was like a bunch of common-minded people on this like retreat or like a convention for something. It's just people in their own world, and I have a problem being in those situations sometimes because it's just like, no one's paying attention to anybody. Like, people are just talking about themselves or talking really loudly or just talking with one other person, and it's like, I I don't know. There's not room for connection in those places, typically. I get very distracted by the amount of people. I get very anxious with the amount of people or the tightness of a space. If I'm in too close a quarters with people like that... I just don't want to be there anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like... You also have a tendency to do something that's, like, obviously been something that we deal with in our relationship, but is, you know, heartbreaking for me to watch as much as it, like, will make me angry. Like, it's, it's more heartbreaking for me because... And I think I'm realizing what it is now. I mean, I've always known what it is, but I think just verbally I'm understanding it in a way that I haven't understood before, where... I've watched you, even in small social situations, I think that something happened, and I know that, like, things have have happened, but you got burned a lot, and, like, I watch you shut down a connection through, like, being very critical or, like, judgmental oh, yeah. or, like, very, like, loudly, you know, abrasive about stuff, where I know that that's not you, I know that that's your anxiety, and but I'll watch you like start to build a connection with a person and then like throw a you know put that wall up so yeah. that it can't get any closer um because of some sort of like trauma or something fear yeah fear of uh getting too close to somebody or I don't know what it is but I'm not exactly sure what it is either and I know what you're talking about yeah um and we've talked about it before to some degree to but, some degree. No, I mean, like, not in those exact ways. <laughs> not, like in we, ter- yeah, not in that term. Not in that way, yeah. Exactly. Um, no, we usually fight about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what that is. I have had a lot of close friendships that have just, like, ended for one reason or another. I'm sure I'm to blame in plenty of those situations. I know I'm to blame in other ones, you know. Um but I don't know, maybe sometimes if I'm talking to someone and they remind me too much of somebody else who I've already gone through, like a certain type of relationship with or something, it just makes me think of that person and I do start to back off or close off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's more subconscious than anything. I wouldn't, because I don't want people in like, oh, this is that type of person. Oh, I'm going to have the exact same experience with this person just because they're similar it's more of a subconscious thing. and I do, Oh, of course. It's completely you know, subconscious. Because um, I do want to know people. I do want to get... 
I know you do. Closer and to people. And I'm, I do want to have yeah. those connections that I sometimes shut off. And I'm with you like 24-7 and yeah. that's not who you are. Right. Like that's not the you that I am with all the time and that I know. Like I, you know, you're not... You're, you're not generally a very abrasive, like you're critical, but like, so am I, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. you, you're not that person when you are comfortable. Right. Because I've been in both situations with you where we've been in social situations where that happens. And then I've been in social situations with you when we are around people and like you and I just kind of like click into the other people that we're hanging out with. Oh, yeah. And I see, like, that social side of you that is just, like, is connecting with everyone. Oh, and, yeah. And, like, very listening and connecting and very present and very much, like, involved in the conversation and letting people have their own opinions while, mm-hmm. like, sharing everyone else's. And I, you're, you are amazing at that. Well, that's how I used to be more, yeah. you know, like, every that. time... Yeah. When people would first meet me, I would hear people say, like, oh, what a fun guy. Yeah. Like, people would come to me the next day, like, oh, what's-his-face said he had a great time with you last night, or something like that, yeah. you know? I I would always really connect with, kind of didn't matter who the person was, I could connect with people, mm-hmm. but that subconscious part that we were just talking about has shed a lot of those things off, and I just don't know... What exactly it is, but every once in a while, I still get into those good situations. And I'm well, grateful think, when yeah. you and I are there together and we both connect into something like that. And it's like we leave a party high fiving each other or something, you know? Yeah. Like, well, we really we were on. We killed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I love that feeling. But that's how I used to feel almost every time I was yeah. in a social situation. But I also think that it's interesting because I think that, like, when we were unfortunately right before we moved to LA I feel like you had started to kind of lock into that again with you were you were making a lot of friends like you know yeah through BuzzFeed but also like regard you've had other jobs like you were really growing your friendship circle and Mm -hmm. like becoming comfortable around people again where like that side wasn't coming out so much well you're saying that was happening more in LA Right before we left, I felt like right you, before we you, moved back to New yes, York, like yes, like that you started to feel more comfortable yeah. in social settings and in yourself in social settings. That I started to see that side come out even more. Yeah, well, um, I think that entire year that I had at BuzzFeed in LA was probably the most social I've been in my yeah, adult life. I decided going into BuzzFeed, coming out of the Beck Collective, being very negative about everything, kind of. Mm-hmm. And really, I'd find myself in conversations where I'm like, holy shit. I just, I started at negative, and I somehow ended at, like, negative 10 negative. Mm-hmm. Like, really negative. And you and I both sometimes were like, oh, wait, were we super negative? It just happens. Yeah. But it was only happening there. Because we both are... Because I hated the situation that I was in. When I went to BuzzFeed, I was like, this is a new chance for me to um, be the person I want to be. So I'm going to kind of reinvent myself here. Not too many people know who I am. There's tons of new people to meet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to show them the part of me that I like the most. And I was feeling good about myself physically. Because that six-month period where I was unemployed in between the Pet Collective and BuzzFeed, I was working at the yoga studio and doing, you know, working for classes. So getting to go to classes for free and like actually taking care of my body, listening to myself. I was eating a lot healthier. 
Um, and I went into BuzzFeed just being like, I'm going to be the person to introduce myself. I'm going to be the person, because I understand. I see a lot of people, even in my current job, that they're not going to come up to me and say hi. So if I don't go up to, to them and say hi, what are we going to think about each other? We know each other exists, but we're not going to ever try to not be strangers. It's like, I don't want that at BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. So I really made an effort to get to know people. Luckily, it was like a 30-person team or whatever at that point, so it wasn't too overwhelming like it became eventually. But I was able to open up to those people and, and make a lot of actual friends. Yeah, you made and people a lot were like, of friends. Oh, Ben is like such a positive guy. Like, what a nice guy. Instead of like, what a complainer. All he does is criticize things and just bitch. Right. You know? Um, so I think it was important for me to have that experience BuzzFeed LA it helped me blossom a lot and then when we were moving back to New York I was like really feeling torn about leaving that kind of world that I've been in mm -hmm. even though the job was declining so I, I felt much more okay with leaving it wasn't the same situation that I went into right. but um, I was worried when I went to New York that it wasn't going to be integrated like that and when I got there, I was on a three-person team, and we sat alone in a corner. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I want to know people. I'm at a really big, like, company where everyone is kind of interesting in their own way because there's a lot of younger people and mm -hmm. stuff that are just coming out of college and have all this energy and, like, are just putting stuff out there creatively in all these different ways. And the problem with when I got to New York was people were not receptive to me being more outgoing. Right. There was more of a, like, look at the ground, don't make eye contact with people. Whereas in BuzzFeed LA, I could look someone in the eyes and say, hey, I tried that in New York with people. Mm -hmm. And people, I said hi to people who just, like, scowled at me or, like, laughed it off. Mm -hmm. Like, is this, like, pretentious like what what is this yeah and it did remind me that there is a different dynamic in new york than there is in la i think la is more of a social place for whatever reason yeah and new york is like there's a lot of too cool for school happening where it's like there are already that doesn't exist in la for sure no absolutely yeah. absolutely but there were these cliques already built into a yeah. company where i was just not going to fit into any of them right oh okay all right and i i had had those situations where I was like, I'm going to make that person talk to me. Like, yeah. everyone else seems to think they're cool. They seem like they're cool. I'm going to, I'm going to experience that. And, and it did work for a couple of people, but then, you know, I, again, when it comes down to you being the only one making any kind of effort, it's tiring. It's exhausting. I mean, that's how I've also felt with us moving back here too, is like it, there was a learning curve when we moved back, especially because we moved back to Long Island, not to the city um, for the first year that we were back and I you know it was, I still feel it where I'm like I haven't made new friends since we right. moved back here right um, it's all people who I've known for a very long time uh, and you have a different dynamic with people who you know for a very long time and I'm very grateful for for my the friends who I grew up with and I love them and I'm just, I love that group and we have so much fun with them um, but yeah like 
I feel like in LA we learned how to make new friends and then we came back to New York and it was like, wait, yeah, how do we do this? And I don't really think that we've... We haven't recovered. We haven't recovered yet. And yeah. I felt really bad because I know part of the reason of us moving back, a large part of it was that it was an opportunity for you to transition to the New York team because things in LA were not... Oh, no, we it was a happy. great opportunity, yeah. and I'm so glad yeah. I did it. And but I did I, become close with a couple of people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Totally. I did get me, meet new people through freelance stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I became closer with people I didn't expect to become closer with. But right. I still don't have, like, new hang-outside-of-work yeah, friends. Yeah, for sure. And and I know that, like, um, I was feeling really guilty because I know part of why we had to move back to New York was because I was having the, the, the pelvis stuff. And it was like my entire existence, the last like seven months of living in LA was just going to doctors and going to PT and being alone in the house. Um, and like getting MRIs and just doctor to doctor, doctor, doctor. And so I know like part of it was because of me that we were moving back. And it, and it was the first time that I was like, you were happy. Like you had, you felt fulfilled in a way that I hadn't seen you feel before because you had friends and, and like people, other people in your life that weren't me and didn't come from me. Right. Um, and, and it was such a bummer to like have to choose to leave that. And like, but for I me, it, that is true. It was kind of a bummer to leave that environment, especially people like Mitch and Dave, and yeah. like that I was really getting along with as like not only work friends but friends friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt very stifled in my creative. Oh, world. for sure. It, and it had I right stayed decision. there, I would have been laid off. Yes. And uh, I don't know what I'd be doing. Right and now. you would have been very bitter. But I, because you would, you were the trajectory of what your career was there was not good. No, it wasn't any yeah. ever going to lead to anything that right. I wanted. Um, but it, yeah, not but it was the right decision. But I still felt guilty, and it definitely threw a new wrench into into our lives, where it was like, oh, we need to start over again. But it's not really starting over because. I grew up here, you lived here for 10 years before we left, like, you know, we were ingrained in New York, um, but it was like, oh yeah, everyone else's life moved forward too, so right. we're coming back to this different like dynamic. We came, yeah, we didn't come yeah. back to the same situation we Right, left. we came back to a different dynamic, and, and I, for me, like, I physically can't have a job, like, I, I mean, I can do... Thankfully now, like through your job, I'm able to do writing work and get paid for it. But like, I can't have a regular job because of my pelvis. And so it was like just going from like being, having all these new friends to like being fully isolated and then seeing you go from like being around all these new friends to like coming back and feeling like isolated again. Um, and yeah, I don't know. In some respect, I feel like it was a good thing because it really opened my eyes to different parts of my social anxiety and different things of like relationships and what I allow and what I don't allow. And like, you know, even realizing reasons why I left New York to begin with to like avoid having to deal with certain relationships and sure. like, you know, and, um, 
yeah, I don't even know how we got here, but we got here. And I just, I just, for, for me, and this is like totally, cause I, we should probably wrap this up soon, but like, uh, for me and for you, the body image stuff that then came out once we got back here and the depression and the mental illness stuff that came out for me, especially with that part, once we came back, but for sure. you as well. Well, a couple of things. So even though I started so positive at uh, BuzzFeed in LA, there were things that happened at that job, certain shifts that happened within there that, you know, I got slighted and um, it put me in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, like, I, I didn't like how I was being treated at a certain point, um, you know, like shoved down by people who should be pulling me up. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did cause me to resort to emotional eating again yeah. while at work. And got to a point where I couldn't even control myself. I was just going down and having frozen yogurt uh, that I'd dump whatever candy they put next to the frozen yogurt machine. It's like, what am I doing Mm -hmm. I feel so miserable and I'm not even dealing with the fact that I feel miserable and looking for a way to solve that, that I'm, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm just doing it with food and this was when you were in New York. Yes. This is Buzzfeed New York. So once we came back here, it only got worse because it was a much less social environment. I wasn't like actually having a good time. Most of most days people were too busy to be, um, you know, just friends, friends. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But you were also like, you were working in that environment that was really not socially fulfilling at all. Yep. And then we were living at my mom's house on long Island where we didn't feel where we just felt so isolated and alone. Yeah. And like, well, that ran me down too. Yeah. Like, cause I was doing that commute. Oh, that commute every day. Yeah. And when I, I met this woman on the train and she's like, I've been doing this for 30 years or 35 years, and I was like, we, we gotta move. Yeah. I, I can't be saying that someday. Yeah, no, no way. It was a miserable experience riding that train, and sure, I got a lot of reading done on certain days, and boy, did I not miss an episode of WTF But it would be different podcast, if, but, like, we were, com- if you were coming home, and then we had this, like, vibrant social life, yeah, sure. and, like, happy environment. But it was dark days. It yeah. was dark times. I came home and we would uh, either go out to Mazar Grill or uh, Yeah, we would just eat food and eat then food. watch TV and sleep. Can't go to the grocery store, get some candy drinks, and yeah. go to sleep. That's terrible. Yeah. And it was also a big eye-opener where we were like, we're city people. Like, we are city people. Yep. And we were just so run down by New York the first time that we were so scared of moving back because it was so miserable before we left and moved to LA and we loved LA so much that it was like, how do we even go back to that? Yeah. But I'm glad we found a neighborhood that we love. And well, that, like, that was the thing. Yeah. We weren't going to just move back to New York no. and settle in some neighborhood. Yeah. That either we had lived in before or was trendy or something. Right. We yeah. wanted to find the right neighborhood. Yes. And Ditmas Park for us is, is the, the perfect right compromise of yes. everything that we like. I would say not even compromise, but it like is. accumulation of yeah. all the stuff. Yeah. Is that the right word? Probably not. Anyway, it's we didn't settle. We waited that year. We looked. We found. We got the right place. And now we're able to do something like we did this morning where we 
get in the car that was parked across the street. Yeah, we can have a car. Drive here. down the street yeah. to the vet and drive the car back and park again. It's like, oh, yeah. well, this is a but different... But not even just have that, like, being, like, you know, we're still close to the city. We're still in a very social neighborhood. Just, like, we can walk down the street. We run into people we know. Like, we, you know... We know the people we, at the stores we, and have actual yeah, we conversations have, we have and relationships. relationships with we, them. like, just to... The fact that we don't use the car most of the time. Well, we're starting to use it a lot more now. Sure. But, like, mostly we would just walk everywhere. And that's really helpful for us because we're both walkers. And I think we really missed that when we left New York. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, and um, the other part of it is that we are both a lot more social now. Yeah. And, sure, like, for me, it is still with the same people but i still like it's still great i still love those people there's been people who i've reconnected with that is amazing that i'm so happy and thrilled to have that relationship with now and um for you i think even just at this job like even though you don't really hang out a lot like outside of work with people like i do feel like you have much more of a social environment and like work friends well like Um, i I genuinely like the people i work with yeah exactly small group of people which is helpful yeah, and so things are looking up. Sure, And yeah. I feel like the more we live, the longer we've lived here, the more comfortable we're getting and the more the, the more we've worked on ourselves, especially yeah. me going back to therapy made a big difference and going of on course. the Wellbutrin made a big difference. And then I'm really excited for you starting therapy because I feel like that that's going to be a really big life changer for you. And then for us being able to work together creatively has been like a really huge, amazing shift. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, I mean, things are definitely on the up and up. But I think that these last few years that have been so fucking brutal, like, all of those things needed to happen in order order for us to get to this place because we are the type of people who, like, need to deal with our issues in order to, like, get to the next level. I'm very grateful of the experiences that I've had, both good and bad, because it's it's formed who I am, and I don't dislike who I am. Yeah, I don't, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I don't dislike who I am either. And I don't... And I love who we are together. Um, Oh, I like us. I like us a lot. And I hope that, like, we will be able to be that socially as well. Well, why not? Yeah. People are going to listen to this four and a half hour conversation. They're going to go, oh my God, I... It's... I... To be a fly and (laughs) on that wall. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. Please hang out with (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I... You know, we'll see when I go back and edit this... Tomorrow. It's only uh, going to be about 14 minutes of stuff that's usable. I think it'll be more than 14 minutes, but we'll see how much, like, we actually delved into this information. But, sure. I, but you know, I appreciate you sharing whatever you've been comfortable with sharing about your, like, mental health stuff and oh, I guess, body image you know, stuff. And talking with my wife was not, the, like, the biggest task for me. Yeah. We did put this off quite a bit, but... Uh, not a huge challenge to no. have an honest conversation with, with the you. person who we talk to. And that's one yeah. thing, um, again, sounded stupid at our wedding and on a tape that I'm embarrassed exists, but it's really important for us to be honest with each oh, other. Oh, that's the, the uh, what do they call it? The, fount- the something block of... Your relationship, the what building block? the building, no mm, something foundation. Founda- that is the foundation of our relationship. Our yeah. relationship is what it is because we are a hundred percent honest with each other at all times. Even when it feels like something that's going to be like really embarrassing yeah. or like you're and gonna, it, like you don't even want to say it. Like yeah, just saying it and talking about it and 
the other person, me being for you and you for me, mm -hmm. um, just being accepting and understanding of it. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what kind of issue or whatever I'm dealing with, I know I can bring it up with you and that we can talk about it. Absolutely. And you're not gonna get defensive or like, well, and you know, I think a big part of that is shame that, me. Yeah, that's a oh, huge I would never, part of it. Yeah, I've been in relationships with people where I tell them something about me, and they're like, "Well, aren't you ashamed? Like, why? Why, why are you yeah. putting that on me? No, well, with, and it's now and it, I am right. And like when we started dating, and and you started sharing those things with me, it yeah. was like the things because we made we both had stuff that we needed to disclose before we started dating. Yeah, and like. The stuff that you were so worried about telling me, I was like, wait, what? That's it? <laughs> like, that's the thing? I felt the same with you. Yeah, I know. But I, because I was like, wait, that's totally, that's great. Like, either like, that's great. I'm, thanks for sharing that with me. And then, or like, that's totally normal. Like, what do yeah. you, like, what? I don't understand why that's a weird, a thing that you needed to. Uh... And I think the things that I thought were either weird about me or that other people didn't accept are the things you accept most about me. A hundred million percent. A hundred million percent. I don't know that that's an actual percent. Okay. I think it stops at a hundred. Okay. I, I do agree. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. There are some of the things that I, yeah, that I accept the most about you and that I love the most about you because you, I appreciate so much that you are such an open person and that you are so willing to always become more open and always work on yourself and always try to learn empathy and always try to like, sure, you can be stubborn for a minute, but at a, at a certain point you will be willing to see someone else's side and you will be willing to like learn. You want to learn. You want to know more. Like you want, you yeah. you are an inquisitive person like you said and and that comes from being open and i'm the same way and like us both being able to be fully open with each other is the reason why our relationship is so successful Absolutely. and why we still like our best friends and want to be around each other all the time because there is no there are no secrets so there's no reason to ever feel uncomfortable and if i am feeling uncomfortable i know all i need to do is say that yeah and then we can talk about it and then we can deal with it and like oh, and i know what it's like to live in a relationship where you have a lie that you're hiding oh like me too i mean not like a romantic ashamed, relationship but yeah something you're ashamed about no and i mean specifically a yeah. romantic relationship where it's like i i can't even let this person know how i actually feel yeah like how oh, shitty... Oh, I know what that fucking feels like. Oh, I know yeah, you. Yeah, that's I just all like, I know. When it comes to an emotional relationship, yeah. that's the person you think, like, thinks they're going to marry you or something, something yeah. and they don't even let you be who you are. Like That's crazy. What in a horribly yeah. abusive... And I don't even blame the people who... I think it's all out of inexperience and your own experience mm -hmm. kind of molding those beliefs. And as long as you're willing to be a little bit more open-minded and oh i didn't grow up that way but doesn't mean that's the only way to be to be yeah. like that was important for me when i moved out of new hampshire and i i specifically made this declaration to myself that i would be accepting of people yeah like i didn't want to just shut people down because they weren't like me i didn't want to know more people like me in a way yeah i wanted to know different people yeah i just had my only friends at the time were just like me, pretty yeah. much. Um, 
yeah, I wanted to meet different types of people. I wanted to try different types of food. Yeah. As stupid as that sounds. No, that's not stupid at that's, all. That's like the key to to understanding culture, any kind yeah. of culture. Like food and music is like your way in for mm-hmm. for anything, right? So when I moved to New York, like I don't think I had ever had I definitely had never had like sushi. I had never had Indian food. I had never had Ethiopian food. I had never had anything that wasn't just like... You never had the best food that exists. Yeah, I had Applebee's and Chili's and all those other fast food places that I was talking about before. Like, I really was just so uncultured. But not because I wasn't willing, but just because it wasn't at my fingertips. Right. But when I moved to New York, I, I didn't disallow that. And I met plenty of people who... In college, they didn't make it. They they moved out of New York after a semester or two because they didn't want those changes. They liked the things that they knew and mm-hmm. were comfortable with. And it was, no, nope, this is not going to work for me. And I get that too. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different, but I'm glad that I was willing to be open-minded then because I think it set the tone for everything since then. Yeah. And I just want to continue to be like that. We're almost at three hours. <laughs> well, I mean, we just have to end it. The battery's yeah. going to die on the computer. Okay. Okay, well, so I, I want to say I love you too. I appreciate you having me. I hope that you can cobble together a good episode <laughs> out of this. I will. I think I will. And uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we actually did this. Me too.